This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. Get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go. Oh, my. He got all of that one. Now, Mike Claiborne and Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. From Cardinal Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village, welcome in to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you, joined by the president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak, here at Ballpark Village. And we're going to be hanging out for the next hour. Uh, in our second hour, we'll visit with Tommy Edmond. We'll uh, talk about winter warm-up and more. But thanks for joining us, Mo. It, I think uh, I'm in business. <laughs> I Clay, think I'm in business. Claims is in business. We, we had some technical issues, but we're good. We? <laughs> You're right, not me. How are you? I'm well. Good to see you guys. Been Happy busy at all? Anything going on in your world? Uh, depends what you believe, right? And we'll get to that at some point. <laughs> oh, I thought we were just going to talk about how my off season's going. Well, we can talk about that, too. We no, can I'm talk kidding. about the winter warm-up and all the good things that will be taking place there. No, uh, certainly exciting times right now, and, you know, as you get to winter warm-up, it's always that, that kickoff to, to really our season. And so, you know, I think getting all the players back into town, the, the city, the fans, they really embrace it, and it's, it's always exciting to that you're, you're just a few weeks away from Jupiter, and so you can really start focusing on, on what that next uh, chapter is going to look like, and, uh, you know, I think everybody from from myself and their staff we're we're really looking forward to getting it going i you know for me spring training is one of my favorite times of the baseball season Uh, seeing people come back watching them grow into the spring and getting ready for the season and the weather and day games and all that good stuff uh it's one of my favorite points and I'm looking forward to this spring for a lot of reasons And, and you mentioned players coming back what about carlos is he coming back do you know and, Carlos Martinez. Yeah, uh-huh. Have you had a chance to get a, get eyes on him? Um, I know we're going to see him this weekend. Um, from everything I've been told right now, we're we think he's in a good spot. He's a little bit ahead of his throwing program, so that's encouraging. But you know, I think reality is is like you know you're really going to have a good feel for him once you get him on the mound and, and see what it looks like. But overall, I think the the feedback I've gotten from our training staff is it, they're encouraged. Good. John Mozillock is with us as we are just underway on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren. Uh, you know, you said a couple weeks ago, I think on KMOX with Tom Ackerman on Sunday morning, that you felt once you got through the holidays, things would get a little bit busier. And, <laughs> that, well, just industry-wide, you said it. We can, we can play the sound bite. Have, have you found on the whole that this time of year around the industry is different this year compared to the last couple especially with some of the marquee free agents that we saw find landing spots earlier than the last couple of off-seasons? 
Maybe I'm just wrong, right? No, I'm kidding. I, I, you know, I, I think what you've seen is, is obviously, I, I think, good for baseball that, that the free agent market was moving this year, that, that you're not seeing that stalemate that we've seen the last couple off seasons. So I think, you know, from the game's perspective, that, that's healthy and that, that's good news. But you're also seeing the, the trade market sort of move at a different mm-hmm. level. And, you know, some of the names that are being bantered about are, are much more than, than simply fillers. And, and so I think that's creating a, a different dynamic that historically we haven't seen this time of year. Um, obviously, this has been an interesting, I guess, week and a half uh, regarding one particular player. And interestingly enough, the Cardinals were attached to it because you and your staff have been very stealth-like when it comes to making deals and signing players, and we all find out basically at the same time. But this situation is a little different. Has this been the most unique situation you've been in as far as running in the, the organization? Because most of the time when it comes to trades or free agent signings, we normally don't hear a great deal about it. But this one has certainly taken the forefront of anything I can recall as far as the Cardinals are concerned. Okay. That's a tough one to digest. But let me say this, like, I, I feel like the easiest way to always address any type of potential trade or free agency is, is to not engage or acknowledge. And, and the reason that is, is because otherwise, if, if you do on one, why aren't you on the other? And then it allows other people to start triangulating how they want to think about what we're actually thinking about. So on this one i i got to take the same strategy i do with with everything and not comment but you know the one thing i would say is is back to the earlier soundbite in sense of of could there still be activity or could you still be doing something and you know the cardinals have always looked at at the 12 calendar months as opportunities we've never been where we just want to close the door and and not listen or not think about how to get better and and so just because we're we're we open camp on February 12th doesn't mean that that's some artificial deadline that we have to have our team set there's you know Mr. DeWitt and I always joke you can always spend money in this game you can always do that and so that's how you, you have to think about it and so for us I think as we start to to look to the future and and what we may or may not do we want to remain open-minded, and and if there's something that really makes sense for us, we want to be prepared. Well, you have made a couple of moves, so we'll talk about that. A couple of trades in the last week, and as you said, what, three weeks from pitchers and catchers reporting. So lots to talk about tonight. John's going to be here for the entire 6 o'clock hour as we hang out at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. Let's take our first break. We'll come back more with the president of baseball operations. Maybe we'll just make it a... Make it an even two hours. Just a smooth two. Who are you going to get for that? The other hour. Actually, Claves is, yeah, is now starting to look a little armed. We'll be back in a moment. I'm going to uh, hold the door open for Mo, and we'll both be leaving at that point. Hanging out with Mo, our one of the show, back after this from Ballpark Village on the Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. Trabi and Mike Claiborne, alongside the president of baseball operations, John Mozeliak, who joins us in this first hour. Hey, how about just... The walk over here and what has sprung up on either side of this facility. It's unbelievable how quickly this thing came together. Maybe you guys that are here every day don't notice the starkness of it like I do when I pull in the in the parking lot, but it's pretty incredible what they got done. 
you know, I thought the the one thing that stood out to me was actually just staring down Clark Street, and you you see the Ferris wheel, you just mm-hmm. see how well lit that is, and you know, it's great that St. Louis has a new corridor that's going to be very welcoming to people that are visiting downtown. So I think that's just awesome. But you've been to my office before, so you know my view. So you know, I've been looking at this for a while. So <laughs> it's great to see the progress they've made, and it's it's really going to be a treasure for downtown St. Louis. I'd like to ask you about uh, your acquisitions this offseason, the young pitcher, and also your most recent one of yesterday. Sure. So, you know, when we were looking at at our pitching depth, you know, clearly we feel like we're going into the season with five potential starters, but, you know, candidly, we, we realize things happen. And we had identified KK as an opportunity coming over for Korea that we thought, could give us protection, whether it's in the rotation or in the bullpen. If you've seen video on him, you can see that that, that slider is probably going to play, whether it's in the rotation or out of the bullpen. And so we're just excited about bringing that arm in. And, and then it doesn't really tie our hands. It gives us a little bit more flexibility. And, you know, based on the, the success we've had coming from Asia over here, we felt like it was a good play for us. So we were excited about that. And then uh, with the acquisition of, of Dean yesterday, it was really about creating some, some flexibility for our outfield. Um, just wanted to have somebody with some options so we would, would have He's some He's got, what, two options, He right? does, yeah. right. And, you know, really when you step back and, and the, the, the deal that was in between all of this was um, obviously Mr. Arrazarena and Mr. Mar- Martinez going to Tampa. You know, not often do you get to add the type of prospect we did. And, you know, that was obviously something where we were working from our strength, which was a lot of outfield depth, and being able to pull in a young arm that, that we're very excited about. You know, when, when you look at a guy like that who had such good, good credentials before he was drafted, how does he become available in that situation? Well, I will say this, that when when I was talking with Tampa on multiple different types of deals uh, this past offseason. You know, one of the things that, that I think resonated with them, it would have been, I'm trying to think of when we actually did that trade, but it was it was probably a couple days before the deal actually went down. I was, I was talking with their general manager, and I basically said, look, I understand what you want, but we're not addressing what we may want. And we, tr- for us to move our outfield, we want to something we don't have. And... So, you know, focusing on, on young pitching, specifically on the left side, was something that we identified. That was something they had a couple versions of, and, and so it made sense for us to try to get this deal done, and, and that's what happened. But, you know, it is, it is rare to be able to, to get a, quote, top 50 prospect without um, having to, to give up maybe perhaps more. But, you know, they, they were looking for offense, and so they acquired two players that, you know, one can sit in the DH role and one can play in the outfield, and so they achieved what they were trying to do as well. well what do you remember about uh, Matthew, if, if anything, from that draft, the draft in which you ended up with his good buddy Nolan Gorman in the first round, Mo? You know, I, re- I remember that we had both of those guys very high on our board, which I know we always say that, and it <laughs> it doesn't always seem fair, but we couldn't believe he was there when it was our turn to draft. <laughs> so lucky, um, <laughs> but but I do recall that there was a lot of momentum in that in that draft room to that maybe one of them would fall, and of course they were both falling. And you know, ultimately we ended up with one of them. Now we have both, but I do recall that that there was a lot of discussion uh, around Matthew Libertor on you know 
you know, is he signable if he gets there? Because there had to be some reason why mm-hmm. he might be sliding. And so I just remember doing a little due diligence on, on that and Gorman prior to uh, our actual pick. But, of course, he went before us, and it became sort of a moot point. But it was an exciting time, and now to have both, it's you know, good news for the Cardinals. Is there a challenge dealing with teams when you have, for instance, a number of outfielders, and obviously there's not room at the end for everyone. Teams know to some extent your personnel. Does that present a challenge along with the opportunity to make a deal because you have something that other teams want? I don't think so. I, I mean, I think you have a problem if you only have one team interested right but for us we had such a diverse group that we were willing to listen on it it, it created enough of us to to be able to create some leverage to to get a deal that we felt was uh suitable for the cardinals and so you know i think the good news for us right now is we were able to move two outfielders that just creates a little bit more freedom for other players now as we move forward and so when you're looking at at fowler bader O'Neill, Lane Thomas, there's some breathing room for them. And then you have Williams and also um, Bill Carlson. Carlson that in time, you know, if opportunities happen, you know, they're right there. And, and all of a sudden it's, it's just easier to manage. Yeah, Williams had a heck of a couple of weeks at Memphis to close last yeah, year. Yeah, horrible year. If he Great. can stay healthy, he's got tools. Well, I mean, obviously we liked him a lot yeah. when, we, when we acquired him. Um, certainly – the acquisition to where he's been to date has not been what we had hoped, but there's talent there. And hopefully he comes to camp and has a chance to hit the reset button with our staff and, and reestablish himself. The fact that he can hit from the left side is also a benefit. So, you know, this is an important camp for him, and I hope he makes the most of it. You, you know, you bring up important camp. I think this may be the most important camp I've seen in a long time because there are a lot of things that are up in the air. We don't even know who's going to be there at this point because there's still obviously some time to to look at some other situations, and we addressed one of them already. But with the outfield situation, have you ever seen a more competitive situation where everybody, every at-bat, every inning is going to count this year because all of those guys actually have a chance to to have a legitimate – opportunity to make this ball club and and really be a contributor well that's right but you know when you look at at i mean obviously fowler's established he's likely going to be our right fielder right pretty good chance uh bader from a defensive standpoint it's hard to imagine him not getting that opportunity but left field there's a competition and giving that opportunity during spring training i think is going to be fun to watch and and you know clearly the way we've tried to set this up is we want to give those guys that first shot because you know the the clock is ticking for them and we don't want to create a situation where they just get pushed back behind but there'll be a there'll be a moment where somebody like a dylan carlson is going to make you reflect how this lineup looks at some point with with that said is it open competition for two spots at this point in the outfield because as we mentioned Fowler's going to be there is is or is center field and left field open for competition? I mean, I would like to think that that Bader can seize this moment, mm-hmm. but you know, clearly, spring training matters for everybody, right? And you know, you don't want to go into spring training and, and feel like one's being treated differently than the other. So, I think all these guys have a, a great opportunity to open up some eyes and uh, reestablish themselves.
John Mozilak is with us at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village. Speaking of spring training, make your plans right now to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball packages available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7687. Developmental camp just wrapped up down in Jupiter, correct? Yes, um, obviously fantasy camp starts next week. So we that's that's be, the real kind of a different we skill We've got to be out of the building. <laughs> skill set. Uh, what can you tell maybe fans that aren't familiar with what takes place, John, uh, down there during that time and, and some of the guys that were a part of that this year uh, within your club? So real quickly, like the history of, of usually the minor league season, you would do what's called instructional league, and, and that typically took place middle of September, through about November 1st and we were just getting to a point where we did not feel that was a very effective model and so we decided to do a basically a two and a half week camp in in January that that replicates that but really what it does is help prepare these young men for their spring training and you know we go over lots of things but there's a classroom curriculum there's a baseball curriculum we really try to take advantage of the entire day and and really get the most out of it but it's really about preparing them for camp and and hopefully they've used the last two months to to gain strength get themselves in in shape so when they get to camp this camp that they're 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 really able to contribute and and do some baseball activity but then that takes them to that next step for when they get there in in late february you you know you you just touched on two things baseball classroom curriculum sometimes i think we take it for granted that these kids know how to play and know their way is the way you want them to play how much do you break it down where you want to start from scratch to teach them maybe even how to put a uniform on how to conduct themselves classrooms uh you have guys that are trying to learn a new language and just how you teach things i mean how how much do you break it down well as you can imagine um Think about it as a business, right? Like you, you, you have your clients. And in our case, our clients are anywhere from 16 years old to 23, 24 that come to this camp. So they're on a, they're on a pretty large spectrum of what they actually know. And, but we always try to break it down to it's your first day. So if you're 16 or if you're 23, we treat you the same as a 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so what we want everybody to remember is those little things. Because if you do the little things right, big things happen. And so that's how we try to approach these camps. And so when you talk about how you put your uniform on, most of these guys know how to get dressed, but just in case they're shown. Exactly. And how to keep your locker clean. You'd be surprised. Sometimes they don't keep that clean. Well, I've seen Sergeant LaRock right. uh, handle that in spring training, and he has no problem reminding these young men on how things need to be tidied up. Right, and he runs that camp, and, and he has some really good lieutenants to also help on that. And so, you know, Mr. Wayne, he's running around making sure all those little things are done right, too. But that's that's in the clubhouse. Then there's also what's happening on the field, and, you know, we're blessed to have somebody like a Jose Okendo who's who, you know, is so connected to our rich history but also is a, just a tremendous teacher, and he's out on that field from – 8 a.m. to 5 at night, and so these guys have just a unique opportunity to learn from him. That's John Mozeliak. Let's take another break. We'll come back. Uh, still have two segments with the Cardinals president of baseball operations. We're at Cardinals Nation Restaurant 
And Ballpark Village. He looks like back he wants to stay a little while longer. <laughs> Cardinals countdown to opening day presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Hey, the Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up is this Saturday, January 18th through Monday, January 20th. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autograph tickets at cardinals.com slash WWU. John Mozeliak's tickets are sold out. Actually, they you can are? see that on the website. They are. Everybody wants to actually, talk. You, actually, you are the most on, popular on. guy in town. All right, boys. Out First off, you can't say sold out when they're free. <laughs> they're all spoken for. There's no more you're available. Gonna, you're going to have a line. Don't worry about that. All right, we had some a situation this week in Major League Baseball where the Houston Astros um, let go of their general manager, their, their manager, got fined. A lot of things went on there. Also, Boston let their guy go. You, as the president of baseball operations, do you have? Did you have a moment with your entire staff to remind them of how serious this was and how everybody needs to make sure that they have their house in order? Or how did you take it? So, so, take so it? clearly, anybody that works in baseball, especially in a front office, is now very aware mm-hmm. of what happens if you are accused of of doing this. However, what I would say is. As we get closer to spring training, I definitely will will put a memo together to address all of these topics and, and make sure that everybody has a written form of this so they know they have received it and I know they've received it. And, and more importantly, you know, the game of baseball, which has incredible history, incredible integrity, you know, has to realize that that cleaning it up is important, and I think what the commissioner did and 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 the statement he made put all 30 clubs on on notice. And if you're really willing to risk something like that, your career, then you know you're probably in the wrong business. Yeah, I mean, this is as stern of a warning as we're ever going to see, and I I mean warning because Houston paid a price, and some think it may maybe wasn't as severe as it should have been. But the bottom line, the message, I, I'm sure it was sent. I, again, I, I can't speak for 29 other organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I were talking offline a little mm-hmm. bit about this earlier where, you know, I have heard from some other teams, and I think most everybody is, is speaking the same language. In other words, you know, whatever may or may not be happening in the, in the clubhouse, it's going to stop. And if there's anybody that's connected to the front office that may or may have not been helping, they're going to stop. And this is not something that you want to extend to to yourself, whether you're the manager or the GM. How did it make you feel just as a fan of the game? We're all fans of the game, and to think that this was happening and the potential impact in the biggest games there are, can you think that way at all? Well, I, I, a couple things. One is... When, when you go back to the general manager's meetings when a lot of this was breaking and, and you had a player come out and, and um, make the statement that he did, and then, of course, there was sort of that snowball effect of what was happening, um, you know, everybody had opinions at that time. And I think from there to where we are today, everybody knew this was not going to be a slap on the wrist. People realized that there was going to be heavy fines, steep penalties, and and people understood that jobs were at risk and so you ask how you feel about it as as someone that's involved in the game or a fan of the game you know whenever you have something like this happen it's disappointing because again you you don't want a black cloud or a dark cloud ever around your game um 
but I think what the commissioner did was basically say, I don't want to deal with it again. And so, you know, hopefully he never has to. And this is something that can be put behind all of us. John Mozilak is with us as we get set for winter warm-up this weekend. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Your skipper will obviously be in town and be a big part of the festivities uh, over the weekend. Just how impressed looking back at the body of work now in just a year and a half, what Mike but his staff have been able to accomplish, John, obviously the success last year, the division win, but the real tangible improvements that, that this team has made in, in a variety of areas? Well, I think that the greatest compliment you can give Mike Schilt is is how he approaches each day. And, and for some of us that, that get to be around him on a daily basis, we realize he's very intentional. <laughs> how he gets up that morning and and. and Everything he does before he goes to bed has purpose. And I think that when you, when you think about that, it, it sounds great, right? You all want to think everybody tries to approach their day like that, but not everybody actually does. And, and more importantly, when you're, when you're running a 70-player a camp with 25 uniform staff, letting things slip can happen. He does not. He's on it. He sees it. He knows what he wants out of everybody. And so... His intention and his purpose, I think other people feed off of that. And I think what you saw last year was a baseball team that that saw it, they understood it, and they embraced it. Now, the key is you got to keep that going because last year's last year. Uh, manager of the year, that's last year. Great award, proud of them, um, well-deserved. But that's the, the hard part of our industry is – when a year finishes, you already start moving on to the next one. And, look, I can tell you these guys are already, look, they've had a great off season. They've worked very hard. I know the past three or four days they've been meeting down in, in Jupiter and with the sole purpose of planning for this next camp, for our spring training. And so, you know, I feel very confident that this group under Mike's leadership is in a great spot. I think they're all engaged. I think they want to see continued success and as a fan of the game, as a fan of the Cardinals, I think we, we're in really good hands. I, I want to remind everybody it's January 15th, and, you know, we like to put our lineups together uh, no matter what the calendar says. What are you looking for as you go into spring training? Because the, the Ozuna situation, he's still unsigned. Where are you at with that? And also, what are your options when you think about someone to protect Goldschmidt in the lineup? Well, I think you have a lot of different ways you could put that lineup together. As I've always joked with you guys, I don't make lineups. But I, I do think, like, if you go back, I mean, at one time we were having trouble just having someone in the three-hole, mm-hmm. and we put Paulie there. So I, I think, like, you know, D. Young gives you a lot of flexibility on what you can do. Um, obviously, you want to try to take some of the pressure off some of these younger guys and not just throw them in there. But, you know, I feel very confident that our lineup – will protect Goldie, but I also think, you know, Goldie's going to protect someone else too. And I think like the depth of it is something that we're very excited about. And in, and in terms of you asked about Alzuna, and so I will just say this, and, and as far as he's concerned, I have to say the same answer I gave you guys earlier about the free agency or the potential trade market, but, you know, time will tell. Let's take another break. We've got one segment to go with John Mozilak. It's Cardinals you Countdown put the pom-poms opening day. down, you know. <laughs> Presented by Ameren on the Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals 5, 6, and 10 game ticket packs on sale now and feature 
2020's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the opening day pack, the jersey pack, the bobblehead pack, Friday pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $54. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. John Mozilloch is practicing his signature for this weekend. Maybe signing off on a few things. Oh, this weekend. Maybe you can sign off Clay, on something later. Sneaky. You know, I remember a couple you of years ago. You guys are very clever. Very someone clever. brought. Yeah, we think well, we no, I'm, I'm talking winter warm-up. Someone brought a giant poster, the Bo Jackson Bo Nose, with your face photoshopped on it. It's it said our, Mo Nose. It's in our sports office. What is the, yes. You didn't ben know Boyd that? swiped that. Yeah. What is, yeah the most, what is the most unique <laughs> thing that you have signed for a fan? Mm-mm. Well, I think we've all done like a prosthetic leg. <laughs> we've all, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Just commonplace. Well, I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben, um, you sign any prosthetic legs? Well, uh, we, right, we, yeah. we have a lot of things being said here, but I, I've done that. Um, I would say that's probably the most unique. I mean, like a child. I know no, a lot of I've players never, have a strict no kids policy. They won't sign skin. Right. That's always safer because mm-hmm. otherwise there are times you might be asked to do a few things, which is probably not. <laughs> anyway's Remind best me interest. to tell you a story about Billy Bob Thornton in an autograph. <laughs> so <laughs> segue. Yeah. Right. Please. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> but no, it's a like, you know you you get a lot of interesting ask. Prosthetic leg. That's an all-timer. That's That's an all-timer. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, you know, we started off the show talking about all the rumors and the things that have floated out about different players, and and one in particular. How much do you deal with it? I mean, you you move around town fairly well. I'm I'm sure people ask you, what do you think of what's going on? Even your friends. (laughs) You're right. I I hear it a lot. But, you know, I, I do think, like, I can be a little bit more transparent with people I might run into at the grocery store mm-hmm. than I than I might be able to like with dealing with the actual media and, and addressing it. But I think the the fun part of, of all of that is it's it's nice that you know people care that are they're interested and there's enthusiasm to to see you focus on the team. Yeah, I, I think if people didn't care. And didn't ask, and didn't push, and don't want you to, and they want you to get this guy. If they didn't do that, then you got bigger problems. That's right. And so or we wouldn't uh, be sending six buses out around the Midwest I, this I, weekend. <laughs> I, I assure you, everywhere I go, I hear something about the club. So that's the, a good. And thing. I'm sure you get a lot of suggestions on what you ought to do, or what you should think about doing more or or less of. Sometimes there's always a good idea, right? How many? <laughs> is that in the same percentile? Of 95, 90 to, I think you gave Tom Ackerman a 90 to 95%. I think I gravitated to 99 to finish that statement, but yes. So it's in that same percentile of. Right, but that just says there's a chance. All you need is one. All you need is one. Uh, I want to go back to Mike Schilt and his staff uh, for a moment. John, we know they will be a part of spring training. The path for Mike and, and a number of members on the big league staff, fair to say, kind of mirrored a path of, of a player coming up through the organization and to have a number of guys who have been through multiple levels and a guy like Mike who started the ground level, so to speak. Uh, what do you think uh, for him, for the club, uh, that has done in a positive manner? Because I, I was thinking about it the other day. It doesn't seem like that's always the approach that clubs take in terms of grooming coaches. We talk about developing players all the time, 
but don't necessarily talk about grooming staff. Well, we've always tried to look at our organization as as whatever field you are in or, or section you work in, that you have an opportunity. So trying to think about it as more of like a pipeline. But when you think about like the coaching staff, and one of the things when I took over as general manager, you know, Tony and his staff were, that was fixed. Everybody there was, was there for a long time. And when when Mike Matheny took over, one of the things that I wanted to see happen was some of our internal or, or longtime minor league coaches get the opportunity to get to the big leagues because for years they never got that opportunity. And then, of course, when you look at our current staff, a lot of these guys are homegrown. A lot of them spent some time or a long time at the minor league level, and now they get their chance. And I think from a morale standpoint, it's, it's something that, that's very welcoming. And, and I think that's like in any business. When, when you're working at, at more of an entry level or, or trying to work your way up, you're going to work hard and want to have ambition if you know there's some light at the end of the tunnel. If you don't, then you're probably more of a flight risk anyway, and then that's probably not good for our business. So, you know, ultimately we try to create opportunity for people, whether it's in uniform, on the coaching side, on the player development side, to give people a chance for growth. What advice would you give a, an aspiring manager, coach, somebody who's trying to move up the ladder, who has an interest in maybe coaching and because their career is over, but they love the game so much they still want to have some sort of fingerprint on it? Well, the game's changing, especially when you when you ask the question about coaching and, and the uniform personnel and how you understand that balance between modern analytics and modern technology to, to blend that with still being able to teach and coach. And, and I think like as, as individuals who want to get into this business or want to get to this level at the major league level, you have to embrace those. And, you know, I think back to, to some of uh, the things you look at from like a Mike Schilt. Why is Mike Schilt here? Um, you know, his story, his journey is very unique. But yet, he was someone that was always pushing himself to learn. He wanted to understand why we were using these types of metrics, why we were using this type of technology. So he could use that for his own growth. And you look at that whole Major League staff right now, and they're all people that, that bring a different perspective to the game, whether it's, it's older school wisdom, understanding modern skills mm-hmm. or technologies. But you look at the staff as a whole, it balances out quite well, and they complement each other. You know, it, you, you hit the nail on the head because I, I see a lot of unemployed coaches and managers who didn't embrace analytics and felt their way was the only way because that's the only way they knew. And I look at guys like Pop Warner, who was pre-analytic. I look at Willie McGee, pre-analytic. I look at Stubby Cop. All those guys decided to embrace it, and they apply it along with the skill set that they have of being a former player or a former coach at another level. And I think that's one of the reasons why that that staff is so cohesive, where they all get it, they've all found a way to sell it and and get the other guys to buy in. And I think the key for any of these guys is knowing how much a guy can absorb compared to overloading a guy where now he's doing more thinking than playing. Well, for sure. And, and, you know, you touched on on three individuals on our staff that – they are growing. I mean, they are they are contributing members of our coaching staff, and they're doing it with some of the skills that they they, they groomed over the last 20 years, 
but they are also adding to their toolbox. And I, and I think that's what makes our, our staff so successful. And they're able to reach and speak to, to their players. And, you know, I don't think every player hears the same thing. And so being able to adapt and adjust to who you're speaking to is critical for your success. But that's the key to our team, and, and that's what they have the ability to do. And, I, you know, I really like our staff. I mean, I really enjoy engaging with all of our coaches because they, they do bring different elements and, and strengths to our team, and, and they do it in a, a way that I think when you really look at how Mike Schilt manages it, he gets the most out of them. Time flies and you're having fun. Really was. Well, perfect this stopping was point. <laughs> we'll grab you on Saturday. Oh, right. Grab you this weekend. Right around the corner. You know, You'll be here before you know it. We'll peel you away from the, from the various limb signings. So, Ben, yeah, he had asked me if I would do something on Saturday. and I did respond, but heard nothing back from him. He was busy. What you busy, Ben? What's he doing? Yeah. What's he, what's he <laughs> What is he actually doing? Right this second. John, we do appreciate all the time. And I know folks excited for this weekend. It's always a great show. Thanks for swinging by and spending some time with us. And Thanks if anything happens, me. we'll just hear about it. You know, that's Probably. one thing. You are very consistent about being, as I said earlier, stealth-like, where it, just, it, just move in and move out. If you don't, I'm worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> that's John Mosellock. Cardinals President of Baseball Operations. We're back to wrap up Hour 1 after this on the Cardinals Radio Network. Wrapping up Hour 1, thanks to John Mosellock for joining us. Now is the time to pick up the essential item for every Cardinals fan, the 2020 Cardinals calendar featuring the signature artwork of the team, photographers, the schedule, and money-saving coupons. Pick up your copy at retailers or 314-345-9000. Let's give one away to caller 3, 314-531-1120. Hour 2 coming up. Cardinals countdown to opening day on the Cardinals radio network. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing a long fly ball in the left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the countdown to opening day show presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up. Get up. Get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go. Oh, my. He got all of that one. Now, Mike Claiborne. Chris Raby and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals 5, 6, and 10 game ticket packs on sale now and feature 2020's top games and promotional dates. Choose from the Opening Day pack, the Jersey pack, the Bobblehead pack, Friday pack, and more. Ticket packs start at just $54. Get yours at cardinals.com slash packs. Chris Raby, Mike Claiborne with you. And a good time with the president of baseball operations. Yeah, I enjoyed talking to him. Um, I know that some listeners may have wanted to get more with regard to pending deals. I think I would say to you, if you know anything about John Mozeliak, he's been around for 25 years, John Mozeliak has never done a deal on a radio show, and I don't think he ever will. I think you have to remember this. When you have a player that's under contract, you can't covet him in a manner of, wanting him because that would be construed as tampering in the eyes of some. And the way baseball is falling on people these days, you don't want to even get involved in that. But that's just not Mo's nature um, to sit here and try and negotiate or, or tell you about what he's thinking with regard to a certain player. So for those who were hoping that they were going to get better, better news, sorry. But I thought you knew that if you know John Mazzella. You know, we haven't uh – had a chance to visit until tonight since the trade that sent Jose Martinez, Randy Rosarena, 
to Tampa. And Mo mentioned it a little bit, Claves. I think that, you know, looking back and, and even hearing people's reactions to the trade now, you've got two guys now from that draft, and obviously it's not infallible, and, you know, prospects are prospects, and you're talking mm-hmm. about two 20-year-olds. But you've got two guys now that I think most people had in the top three, five, seven of their draft boards. Then for a variety of reasons, maybe they fall or, or that position changes. But loaded up on some serious talent, and you were able to deal from an area of depth to get that deal done. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a good deal for the Cardinals where – and granted, Jose Martinez did a really nice job. Cardinals gave him a chance to play in the big leagues, and he didn't disappoint very often. I think the fact that he was injured a little bit more than I think they wanted him to be or hoped that he would be, along with his defensive concerns, is one of the reasons why he was expendable. Randy Rosarino, I wish we would have had a chance to see more of, plain and simple, but they feel like there's some guys ahead of him with regard to the track to the big leagues. I don't know who they are because we didn't see enough of Rosarina to, to say that he was behind someone. But Well, I think Lane Thomas, similar yeah. skill set, right? He, he, yeah, and, and a guy who I would have loved to see what Lane could have done if he had stayed healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, I think had he been year. healthy, we would have been – I think we would have fared better in postseason. Now, granted, this is a team that was playing in the league championship series. But, you know, you got swept. And I think Mike Schilt was limited with options as far as getting some productivity from his outfielders. So, with that said – it's a good deal because these two young men have come with great promise, like everybody else, and you hope that you know they end up doing something good for your team. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean he does something good in a, in a Cardinal uniform, or is he part of a deal to get you someone who can help you in a more immediate manner? We'll have to wait and see. Well, I know that, you know, just to acquire a piece of talent like that and immediately plug it into your your system uh, can do wonders and can give you a lot of flexibility. Around baseball, uh, we saw Josh Donaldson yesterday land with the Minnesota Twins, $92 million. Donaldson is another third baseman off the board, and you wonder, you know, regardless of the Cardinals. Todd Frazier's off the board now. Todd Frazier to the Rangers, who had been connected to third baseman. But you wonder now, especially with the aggressiveness of Atlanta. Donaldson going elsewhere will thrust Atlanta perhaps into the trade market and will start to maybe accelerate that market because that's kind of how they've gone about it the last couple of years. And, you know, they've got a window right now with a very, very, very good team and, you know, some core pieces of that team. And and we've seen a willingness for them to go out and and aggressively add. Well, here's my question. If the Braves didn't want to spend $25 million, on a guy that they had in their organization who did a nice job for them last year and gave them length as far – I mean, gave them a good season. Why would they spend $35 million on a guy who can walk away in two years? So I'm not sure where they're headed. Uh, and I think really the one issue here is everybody's concerned, what about – what if Arenado decides he doesn't want to be there? Well, go out and win and play well. I think when you want – everybody wants to be on a winning team. But we don't even know if he wants to go. I mean, he's he's a, he's got a no trade. So there are just so many things that moving parts. We're going to visit with Thomas Harding of MLB.com. He's been covering the Rockies for 20 years, 22 years. And he's got a different slant about whether the Cardinals are the right suit for, for Colorado. And is Colorado ready to go through a rebuild again after signing a guy like Arenado last year? 
You know, I was even uh, talking with our buddy Mike Farron last night on our flagship KMOX, and he said, you know, th this wasn't anything that he had necessarily seen or, you know, he was just bringing the point up that if not Arenado, would teams pivot to Charlie Blackman? Well, you know, that's a good question, and I know a couple years ago that was he was the hot guy. But, you know, Charlie Blackman splits away from Coors Field aren't what I think intrigues people. Neither Arenado's. Yeah, but you know what? Arenado can play some defense. Yeah. And, and he doesn't have to hit 45 home runs for me in order for him to have an impact on my ball club. Uh, I'm thinking defense because this is an organization that has dedicated themselves to pitching. And you're only as good as those guys behind you and, and the guy behind the plate. So you want to make sure that you're better defensively than everybody else, and that's going to win you some extra ball games. You know, Blackman is an interesting guy. I don't, you know, I'm not telling you that I wouldn't be interested, but I think his contract probably makes him a little bit more standoffish than um, Nolan Arenado at this point, yeah. especially age and at this stage of their careers. But yeah, he's, he's left-handed, and, you know, we've seen him kill the Cardinals over the years. How about the couple of guys that, that are still out there? And you mentioned Marcelo Zuna, who is still available. Nick Castellanos as well is yeah. still available. And listen, I know that – Castellanos is by no means, um, you know, a wizard with the glove in the outfield. But well, neither, is neither is Ozuna, especially with the compromised shoulder. And I wonder, too, about a player like Castellanos, just theoretically, if you put him next to Harrison Bader, one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball, and also the consideration here in our last minute, Clibs, that you wouldn't need to give up a draft pick because he mm -hmm. was traded. And then you would gain a pick if Ozuna signed elsewhere. Here's a question. It I would think, be a net positive from a pick standpoint. Here's a, here's a question though, I think both Ozuna and Castellanos are dealing with. Nobody wants to give them length. Well, and they've got some redundancy. Yeah. They have a lot of similarities. Yeah, so who's going to be the first one to bite, right? Deal. So if you want to take a guy like Castellanos, Castellanos for two years or maybe one in an option, something the short term, especially with so many young players you have coming up in your organization that can play outfield, you don't want to be married to a guy too long in this situation. Yeah, and which of those two will potentially take the first deal, and then what kind of leverage will that give, theoretically, the other one? Because Derek Gould's pointed that out. There's a lot of overlap mm -hmm. in those two guys, in their strengths, but also in their deficiencies, although... Yeah. And, and I guess in their ages, too. Castellanos just 27 years old. Let's take a break. We'll come back. As Klebs mentioned, Thomas Harding will be with us. We'll get a Colorado perspective. And you can hear the entire interview on ClebsOnline.com, but Thomas Harding has some very interesting things to say in what we're going to have tonight. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Thomas Harding of MLB.com. He covers the Colorado Rockies. And Thomas Harding, uh, I'd ask you about how things are going on in Denver and to ask about how much snow is on the mountains and all that good stuff. There's only one thing people in Colorado have in common with people in St. Louis, and that is the fact that there's a third baseman that everybody seems to be interested in because some rumors got started about the possible move. So I want to ask you, what's going on? What are you hearing? Because we're just hearing it from one side of the fence right now. So there are a few objective people in St. Louis that are trying to keep this thing under control. But for the big story, I want to hear from you and how things are perceived in Colorado. Well, I'll tell you, one of the reasons why there are so many rumors nationally, whether it's in St. Louis, Atlanta, 
wherever else is that the Rockies hardly say anything to anybody about anything. Um, at the end of the season, what they said basically was no. They didn't sign Nolan Arenado to trade him a year later. They went to the postseason in 2017 and 2018 and feel like they had a horrible year last year, but there's no reason that they can't get back. However, by the winter meetings, a lot of teams were asking about him because they watched the Rockies finish 71 and 91. So the normal, the, the normal thought is, hey, why not try to trade for Arenado? They're not any good. Um, Rockies still feel they're somebody in this, but what they've done, they've listened to all the discussion, listened to offers, and I think it's more for midseason, meaning if they aren't as good as they think they are, then at least they have a basis to go from. But that certainly hasn't stopped the rumor mill so far, and a lot of people are looking at this, and there's so much smoke here that you have to kind of follow it as it goes. But don't you think if you try and wait midseason, that may dilute the deal a little bit because who's ever going to pick him up is not going to have him for two full seasons before he can opt out, and that may dilute it enough where a team may walk away from it, although we are talking about one of the best players in the game and certainly the best player in his position in the National League. Well, that makes total sense if you go with the premise that the Rockies aren't going to be the ones in it. So if you're sitting here right now and you've got a lineup, most of the guys are in their 20s. The only key player in his 30s is Charlie Blackman. But you have Arenado, Trevor Story, um, who else? Um, David Dahl. You know, those were all stars along with Charlie Blackman last season. You've got Ryan McMahon that's rising. And don't forget that for two seasons, they pitched well enough to get into the postseason. So if you if you have that, I don't think they really care as much about what they get out of the deal because they signed Nolan Arenado um, for, what was it, uh, $260 million. They didn't sign him to trade him. They didn't sign him and suddenly decide in the middle of their building program they're going to tear it down. So I think that's where – that's where there's kind of some disconnect here. A lot of fans here believe that because the Rockies had a bad season last year, they should start tearing down and looking for what they can get in the trade and worrying about the opt-out. But if they, they, when, they, when he signed that contract, he knew that three years into the deal there was going to be an opt-out. The Rockies knew that three years into the deal there was going to be an opt-out. But they also figured that they would play good baseball. Now, that what threw um, it into question was they did not play very good baseball last year. But the team is still intact. You would like to see them do some other things to kind of help other parts of the team. They haven't done that, and they have a tight payroll, so that's created some tension. But signing Nolan Arenado to basically unload him to another team to help them get to the playoffs and the World Series, when you think you're going to do it, that doesn't quite compute. It is a head-scratcher for sure, and you've been covering the Rockies for a number of years and you've watched the rebuild before because, you know, at one point they wanted to be uh, bombers. Then they wanted to go out and try and find some guys to pitch, and they had, what, the six-man rotation at one point. They've done a lot of different things with not the success they'd hoped for. And to come up with a rebuild after signing your marquee player just last year, on the surface, doesn't sound like good sense. Now, having said that, you can get a pretty good haul for a guy like Arenado with the right organization. It's the, it has the history of developing good players. So yeah. when did everything start to go haywire where they felt like maybe we ought to reconsider and move him now to get more young players and announce to their fans we're going to rebuild again? 
Well, that's the thing is that I'm not sure they have announced that. They have not told us that. During the winter meetings, um, when, when we asked the general manager, Jeff Breidich, about it, he acknowledged teams had been calling, and they did listen. And they're saying this is just the time of year. You listen to various things. I guess you never do know if someone would give you everything they've got from Nolan Arenado. But – and I'm sure that they're doing their due diligence on the offers that they're getting from teams. But when I look at it, I see two things, two big weaknesses in the deals that um, that are possible, at least all the names that have come forth in those. Number one, Nolan Arenado hits around 40 home runs a year and plays great defense. No team is offering them a Nolan Arenado for a Nolan Arenado because you don't do that, okay? The next thing is the Rockies, in every trade that Jeff Breidich has made, has they have gotten something to improve their pitching. Now, most of the trades have been major league-ready guys uh, or guys who are going to be major league-ready really quickly. That's how, they got, uh, that's how they got Herman Marquez. They got him late in his minor league career that he became one of their better pitchers. The problem is that type of deal, you can make that if you don't expect to win. If you do expect to win, it's hard to make a Nolan Arenado deal and not present to your fans Jack Flaherty. And are the Cardinals going to give him up? I mean, they'd be nuts at this point. I can give you a two-word answer to that, and the first one would be no. I mean, the second part of that would be no, and the other one would exactly. start with H. So you're right. As you look at that situation, it doesn't make sense on the surface, if that's going to be the asking point. But there are some other pitchers within the organization that show great promise as well. Let's talk about what they would look for in return. You just mentioned a, a, a stopper, a, a number one guy, or maybe a 1A guy. How many players do you think it would take, and what levels would they have to come from with regard to filling the needs of the Colorado Rockies? Well, the young man Libertor that they received in the trade with the Tampa Bay Rays, I would think he would almost have to be in a deal. The Rockies really liked him. He went 16th overall, and the Rockies ended up drafting Ryan Rollison out of Ole Miss at the 21st pick. I know the Rockies really looked hard at him. Um, and also, Nolan Gorman would have to be in that, in that for me. I mean, the Rockies seem to do pretty well with first base, third basemen who are named Nolan. Nolan Gorman has to be in that trade. But then after that, that's where I feel like you would need a frontline starter. You would need something to help your lineup right now. And that's where I have a kind of a hard time finding a match with the St. Louis Cardinals here because you could take a Matt Carpenter if he would waive his no-trade clause. By the way, Nolan has one too. But you could take a Matt Carpenter – but does that you take a big step back in your infield defense at third base? You go from one of the best guys um, in baseball at thir- third base, or one of the best guys ever, I should say, to uh, a, a guy who really is having a hard time playing that position. And do you get the offensive production? You haven't seen that production from Carpenter. I don't know that the Cardinals have that back to give up. Now, could they give up another prospect? Possibly. I guess there's a there's a catcher and an outfielder close by, and I don't have their names in front of me that are close to the majors. Those guys make sense, but all those things make a lot more sense at a deadline if it's clear that you're not going anywhere and you're retooling for 2021. I just don't see how the parts fit here. And this is what I'm seeing with most of the teams whose names come up with the Rockies. 
Make your plans to head south this winter for sunny skies, warm beaches, and Cardinals baseball. Packages are available to fit everyone's schedule and budget. Make your reservations at cardinals.com slash vacations or call 1-800-892-7687. All right, when we come back, we'll hear from Tommy Edmond. We chat with the Cardinals' jack-of-all-trades, who had a huge, huge rookie year in 2019 and a big offseason. As well, he joins us next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Let's head to San Diego on the Cardinals Radio Network and say hello to a man that's been uh, very busy this offseason, very busy last season as well as Tommy Edmond joins us on the program. Tommy, what's going on, man? How is the offseason? I guess it gets shorter when you are not just in the big leagues, but you're in the postseason in the NLCS, and then even shorter when you're planning and, and going through with a wedding and a honeymoon. That's right. Um, uh, fortunately, our season season went uh, well into October, so that right there shortened the offseason a little bit. And, um, right when I got back to San Diego, it was pretty much all uh, wedding planning and uh, honeymoon planning. So that pretty much took up the whole month of November. And uh, so really the offseason started once we, once we took off for our honeymoon uh, end of November, but um, just been enjoying my time back in San Diego now and uh, getting my work in and getting ready for spring training. So let's start with the important stuff. How'd the wedding go? How was the honeymoon? And if folks aren't familiar by now, you guys actually had to push the date back because of the postseason. What was that process like and, and kind of how did things go uh, once the season ended and you flipped immediately into wedding mode? Yeah, that's right. So we, we originally had planned for the wedding to be on October 5th which obviously would have been impossible given that we made the playoffs. And I think we were, we were either in Atlanta or back home playing against Atlanta at the time. Um, so we, had to, we ended up having to move it back to November 23rd. Um, and fortunately, her, her family was extremely helpful throughout this whole time and very accommodating. Because we ended up having it at their, uh, at their house in their backyard. Um, so they, they, were, they were really the ones who, um, who really took the burden of it. Um, but they were obviously obviously great people and, and helped out a ton with the wedding. And um, I'm, we're very great, grateful for them. And um, But obviously obviously the season ended up being great and it ended up being uh, ended up having to move, move the wedding for a good reason. Well, it was cool because I know you're, you're now a lovely wife and, and so many of the, uh, you know, wives and, and girlfriends of the guys got to make that trip with us, you know, back to Atlanta for game five and, and got to be a part of that playoff run. That must have been really cool leading up to the wedding. You had like a pre-honeymoon and then a honeymoon afterwards. Yeah, definitely. She, uh, my wife got to travel to Atlanta and Washington uh, for the NLDS and NLCS. Um, so she enjoyed enjoyed both of those trips a lot. Definitely crazy environments, but obviously uh, getting back home and, and getting married was was another really fun part of the off season. And then getting to go enjoy that time in Maui with, for the honeymoon. Yeah, what was the coolest thing you guys did in Maui? Um, we honestly we were mostly low key. We didn't do any crazy adventurous yeah. stuff. We went on. Yeah, we did a lot of snorkeling, um, just hanging out on the beach, hanging out by the pool. Um, got a lot of shave ice. Uh, we went on a pretty cool hike. Um, up in North Maui, we went on a helicopter ride. Uh, so we, we got some fun stuff done. Um, saw some turtles when we were swimming. That was pretty cool. But, yeah, I mean, we just we definitely enjoyed our time out there. Tommy Edmond with us on the Cardinals Radio Network Winter Warm-Up coming up. And Tommy will be in town along with the rest of the club. What a year last year, man, for you, for the team. And, you know, you played so much in spring training last year, had a lot of opportunities. Uh, you played every day in Memphis and then played every day in the big leagues and, and into the postseason. I know you've had long years before and you've you've played in the fall league and, and made some runs with Stanford, but just the amount of 
baseball that you've had over the last 10 months, 12 months, how does that compare to anything else and, and any other volume you've played uh, over the course of any point of your career? I love getting the chance to play that over the course of the year. And um, obviously it's something that you prepare for in the off season, just making sure you're, you're building up that foundation so that your body doesn't break down over the course of the season. And um, that's what, that's what this, uh, the off season is for. And fortunately I have a great trainer back here in San Diego and um, I've been working for him and hopefully we have a, a little bit longer season next year. Let's see. You played 92 regular season games in the big leagues, nine postseason. Mm-hmm. So that's 101. You played 49 in AAA, so that's 150. And you probably played, what, 25 spring games? You probably played like 175 or 180 games last year. That sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> when you reflect, man, on, on last year for you, for the team, what have you been thinking about? Are you someone who will go back and reflect this off season? Do you uh, think about last year? Is it just full steam ahead, thinking about this year? What's kind of your mental process over the course of the off season? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a little bit of reflection on on what uh, what happened this past year and what you what you can improve on and um, how you're going to be able to help the team even more next year. And um, this year, I'm just getting ready uh, to uh, to play wherever the team needs me. I mean, I know we have we have our infield pretty much set. We got a lot of great outfielders, so I'm just ready to uh, to be able to fill in wherever needed. And um, that means getting a bunch of ground balls at all three positions in the infield and um, taking some fly balls as well. And um, that's all you can do is just just get better from the last year. Yeah, what did the club tell you? What kind of feedback or, or check-ins have you had? Because, you know, we've heard from Mo and Gersh and, and Mike Schilt about the communication that the club has with players over the offseason. So what was kind of the instruction or feedback you received from them and how it does that and, and will that impact what you work on, as you just alluded to, over the offseason? I've been in touch with the coaches throughout the offseason and, um, it's kind of just been um, kind of what I was talking about, just a reflection on this past year and, and areas uh, of strength and areas of weaknesses and um, how I'm able to work on those weaknesses and make those strengths even better. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been talking with Stubby about the defensive side, Jeff about the offensive side, and um, talked to Shelty a couple times and um, kind of just uh, setting up the expectations for this next year and um, just – continue to improve in, in every facet of the game. Yeah, we know you can play all over the infield, and I know that whether it was fall league or, or in the minors, you you know already had multiple gloves, but how comfortable were you last year in the outfield, and how much uh, do you think that'll be a part of, of what you bring to the table uh, starting in the spring and into next year? Yeah, even though I hadn't played that much outfield in the past, I was able to pick it up pretty easily. I mean, we have one of the best outfielders of all time, Willie McGee, on mm-hmm. staff, so just having him that able to talk to and kind of bounce ideas off of and um, having him there on the staff was very helpful and I think having had that experience last year I'm, I'm very comfortable uh, pretty much all around the field going into spring training and not too sure what this year is going to bring with how much time I'll get out there but I just got to make sure I'm staying ready at all times. Was that tough Tommy not just adjusting to the big leagues and you know everything off the field with the big leagues, but also adjusting to, you know, playing every day, to facing big league pitching, and, and also then to be playing multiple positions because you're essentially never preparing, I would guess, the same way on a day-to-day basis. We get the lineups the night before, so if I'm uh, if I see I'm playing third base, then I'll make sure in, in pregame warm-ups I'll, I'll be getting my ground ball as a third base, and obviously if I'm playing second, then go to second or take some, take some fly balls in the outfield. Um, but at the same time, I also got to make sure I'm staying prepared for where I might be playing in the following days. 
Um, so I'll, I'll take a majority of my, my uh, reps during the pregame at the position I'm playing for that day, but then also take a few at all the other positions. Um, so it's kind of, I, I just got to make sure I stay on top of it, um, especially knowing that there's pretty <laughs> any number of positions on the field I could be playing. Um, even within the same game, I think I had a few games last year where I started in right and then moved to third partway through the game. Um, so I, I I had to make sure that um, getting those ground balls before the game, even though I was starting in right. A couple more minutes with Tommy Edmond. How about offensively, man? And I know we've talked about uh, some of what you've done over the last couple of years and um, just how you've evolved as a hitter, if that's a fair word. Give folks an idea of your process and, and what you work on from an offensive standpoint in the offseason, where you are right now and how you go about that and who helps you with that back in San Diego? Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I uh, kind of put the bat down for a while, um, probably about a month and a half or so after this season. Um, I started up hitting again like early December and um, started a little slower, mainly just doing flips and working my progression up to, to live BP and then uh, start to get a little bit more velocity as the offseason goes on and with uh, off the machine. But I think, yeah, the progression that I've made, um, I think it's partway been through the off season and also making adjustments mid season as well. And um, I think that my improvement has kind of just been a result of, of uh, the work that I've put in and making sure I'm putting everything into, into each rep um, instead of trying to take a million swings, trying to take each swing with a purpose. Um, And I think that overall my swing has just gotten a lot better. And I think that, that's what resulted in uh, a little bit increased power numbers this past year was just being able to barrel more balls because my bat was in the zone for a little bit longer. Um, so I, that's just what I've been continuing to work on this offseason and hopefully hit even better next year. Obviously your manager, Mike Schilt, picks up some hardware, National League Manager of the Year. Tell our listeners one thing, I'll put you on the spot, that maybe they would be surprised hmm. to hear about Mike Schilt. Hmm. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I, that's that's a tough question right now. I feel like uh, in the dugout, if if you just see him on TV, um, you just see him in the dugout. He he looks very even keeled. Um, pretty much just hanging out, hanging out in his spot, uh, taking in the game. But if anything goes wrong during the game, like for example, if if one of our guys gets thrown at, he'll he'll definitely uh, he'll erupt a little bit. He'll he'll definitely be talking back to that pitcher, but. Um, that's, I feel like that's something that you might not necessarily see watching on TV. Yeah, maybe you'd see it on Instagram, though, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, there might be some <laughs> clips of it, but um, yeah, he's. I mean, he's awesome. He's always just about protecting us and and making sure that uh, other teams aren't taking advantage of us. And um, but yeah, he's he's just all about protecting the players. We all absolutely love playing for him. Tommy Edmond is headed into St. Louis. Will be at the winter warm-up, part of the Cardinal caravan. Oh, I didn't even give you a a, a secret uh, word to slip into this interview. We got to do that next time. Oh yeah, I got to make sure that our uh, people on the caravan with us um, <laughs> give us some good words. And so, if anyone's coming out to Peoria or, or the other places in Illinois, just keep an ear out for uh, if some weird word comes up during our answers. <laughs> Hey, appreciate it, man. Congratulations, obviously, on, on last year, but uh, also on this off season. And uh, say hello to your lovely wife. Can't wait to see you here in St. Louis, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. All right. Thank you, Ravy. Appreciate it. See you soon. Well, you can see Tommy Edmond and more of the Cardinals at the Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up this Saturday, January 18th through Monday, January 20th. Purchase warm-up admission tickets and autograph tickets at cardinals.com slash WWU.
Chris Raby with you. When we come back, we'll tell you more about what's going on this weekend and where the Cardinals' caravans are setting out for. That's next on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Welcome back to Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, counting down the days to what will be a fantastic weekend, the winter warm-up downtown in St. Louis, and the Cardinals' caravans hit the road as we head all over Cardinal Nation. Martin Coco joins us to talk about it, the Director of Ticket Sales and Marketing with the club. Martin, how are you, man? Doing great. Uh, good to be with you, Chris. You know, this is such a fantastic yearly tradition, the Cardinals' caravan. Heading out again this year, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, presented by Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance. I'll ask you a question that someone asked me when I was doing a radio hit on uh, one of the communities we'll be visiting. They said, why is it still important for the Cardinals to do this? Why is it still important for the organization, for the players, for the front office to get out and still put these incredible uh, caravans on every year? Well, it's a longstanding tradition, Chris, as you know, that goes back uh, further than I think anybody here has in the archives. So we know it goes back at least to the 1960s, but it really is a great way for us. Uh, it's kind of along with the winter warm-up, our kickoff to the upcoming uh, baseball season. And we know when the caravan's here, it's only a few weeks until pitchers and catchers report to spring training. But as you know, we have such a wide-reaching fan base that comes from many states all around Missouri, not just Missouri and Illinois, but uh, we typically say we draw from a 10- to 12-state region uh, with Cardinal Nation. And this is sort of a way for us to take the team and the, the fans and the brand out into those markets and, and give back to the fans. And, and uh, it's really a, a fun event at all of these stops for kids and adults to get to meet some of the players and shake hands and get up close and personal and the kids get autographs and uh, a way for us to say thank you for all the support over the years that fans who do the reverse and travel the long miles back here to St. Louis uh, and support us all throughout the season at Bush Stadium. Yeah, it's pretty incredible as uh, the caravans will be headed out all over Cardinal Nation, all over the Midwest. Again, go to cardinals.com slash caravan. We've got some great current players we've got great prospects we've got great alumni uh there are guys to be excited about on every single one of these caravans making their stops over the weekend martin and uh that has a lot to do with the buying of the players doesn't it it really does and um and as you mentioned there's a a really a good broad range of of players who uh who support this and have over the years um and even the the top top level guys at some point um, in their earlier years, we're on a caravan. I've been on caravans in years past with Yadier Molina, and we've had uh, Albert Pujols and David Fries and Adam Wainwright, and just it really, it's a it's a great way to uh, to see some of the best young players, but also, as you mentioned, some up and coming prospects. Uh, Dylan Carlson, our our number one, our player of the year in the minor leagues, and number one rated prospect is on one this year, so. It's a great way to see the current and the future. And then, of course, as you mentioned, some of their uh, fan favorites from past Cardinals teams, some of our alumni as well. Martin Coco is with us. Cardinals.com slash caravan is where you go. And I'm always amazed, Martin, at the guys who get the chance to do this for the first time, just how impressed they are with the turnouts, with the fans, because this is a kind of reaction that, that fans can get. We're talking about, you know, guys like, 
Jack Flaherty and Tommy Edmond and Jordan Hicks, you know, guys that uh, have been part of some pretty incredible moments for the club, some of the biggest prospects the team has. Uh, you're getting up close and personal with them. That's right, and it is a lot of fun uh, over the years to see guys who may have even had an impact here at Bush Stadium, um, but not until they get out on the road. And, they, you know, we may be two, three, four hours away from St. Louis in some of these locales, uh, Springfield, Memphis, other places, and for them to see the turnout that we get and the fan support and the excitement of uh, of the folks who are there, we may have – 800 to 1,000 fans at some of these venues on a cold January night in the uh, about as far away from baseball season as you might uh, think you can be, but uh, the turnout is there and the, the fan support is there. So it's cool to see the players experience that, and it really shows them, I think, the, the far reach of, of the Cardinals brand. Cardinals.com slash caravan is where you go for all the details and to find a caravan that will be close to you. Again, Martin, I know it's so much work that goes into this. You guys do an incredible job with the planning and the execution of what is always a memorable couple of days for fans. Uh, Follow along on social media as well because uh, it's always fun to watch what everybody's up to over the course of the couple of days. And uh, you'll even sign autographs for the fans, right? I, I have not signed an autograph yet, but uh, I'll uh, I'll be up there directing the autograph line. How about that? That sounds good. Martin Coco <laughs> getting ready for winter warm-up in the Cardinals Caravan, the director of ticket sales and marketing. Thanks for the time, man. We'll see you this weekend. Should be a blast. Thanks for having me. Let's take another break. We're back with more on Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day presented by Ameren. Chris Raby and Mike Claiborne with you back in a moment on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. The 2020 Cardinals official calendar now is the time to pick up the essential item for every Redbirds fan. The 2020 calendar features the signature artwork of team photographers, the club's spring training and Hi, regular Steve season Mann. schedules, and four pages of money-saving coupons. Pick up your copy at St. Louis area retailers or call 314-345-9000. We'll give one away right now. Caller 5 at 314-531-1120 gets a 2020 Cardinals official calendar. Hey, a big thanks to John Mozeliak for joining us at Cardinals Nation Restaurant inside Ballpark Village live in our 6 o'clock hour. Thanks also to Tommy Edmond for joining us, Martin Coco. Uh, on the caravans, we heard Thomas Harding's thoughts as well on the Colorado Rockies. A big thanks to Ben Boyd, our executive producer, Mike Anderson, and Carol, the Cardinals Radio Network, and my co-host, Mike Claiborne. I'm Chris Raby. We'll see you at Winter Warm-Up and the Cardinals Caravans this weekend. This has been another edition of Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day, presented by Ameren, right here on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.